Welcome to Fur What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun. <laughs> An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast. That's not the East Coast. Minnesota is not the East Coast. Oh. Pull that record. <laughs> We're done. Abort. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and have ourselves to fools. I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next. Or do you? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Welcome to For What It's Worth. This is Season 5, Episode 3, the end of the season. Woohoo! What? <laughs> Just kidding with you. No, this episode is called Square Peg Round Hole. And the topic... <laughs> You're horrible. Okay, okay. The truth of it is, is I sat here and Scritch, who's in our studio audience and visiting me, listened to me go over this for about a half hour. I was like, I need to come up with a clever name that's not like a bad name. So I figured that's probably as good as it's going to get. Oh my gosh. So square peg round hole, I thought was about as neutral and funny as it gets. That's basically telling people that they don't fit. Sometimes you don't feel like you fit. Okay, okay. So what are we talking about? We are talking about transgender furries and... Before we even start, I will say thank you to the person on Twitter. I'm sorry, I have to get the name, but um, there's no past tense on that. No, you mean you, you can't say transgendered? No, because it's an active state. It's not It's not anything else. Uh, which, you know, it's funny because I didn't realize that it had just slipped in like that, you know? No, just some people are just grammar Nazis. That's all they are. That's not a grammar Nazi thing. That's a think about what you're saying thing. Um so, yeah. Anyway, I don't know why Twitter's not letting me log out to switch to the show account. I don't know. And why are you talking about this? Because I was going to get the name of the person. Oh, okay. But anyway, while I get that name, what have you been up to? Well, I have been getting ready for Extra Life. Woo! Oh, yeah. I didn't get a warm-up sound. So, please come and support me. Don't give um, me money. During the stream. Last year, we made $1,500. So, we're hoping to try to beat that goal. So, yay! Yay! Okay. 1500 bucks? 1500 bucks, yeah. So, PP Go. I don't even know what that is. Oh, by the way, so the, the person is Spot My Tots on Twitter. Spots My Tots. Spots, uh, not not plural, Spot My Tots. Anyway. No, I meant Pokemon Go. Oh. So, um, Pokemon Go is going to be coming up soon. Uh, have you have you seen the announcement? Of course I did. I saw it. It's going to be like did. Ingress. <sighs> Isn't that awesome? No, I'm not really poo-pooing about it. I feel like that was an augmented reality video they showed me. That's not the game. Oh, I know it's not so, going to be the game. So I want to see what they do with it. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to, to do it really well. I think that it's great that they're working with the Ingress team. Yep. So Niantic. Yep. So I'm sure that it's going to be something that will be good. <sighs> and then Nintendo in Japan's like, yes, all the fatties are going outside. Yep. Now come back much. and buy a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my TV series that I've been watching, Heroes, Heroes Reborn, is now out. What? I don't. I don't have a fill soundboard to like poo-poo your ideas. Or no, this is like. why I'm poo-pooing. I'm poo-pooing NBC because it's like, come on, come up with something new. Eh, it's something. It's something interesting. The only thing that I didn't like is they have this one girl that has this superpower that like. She touches the samurai sword and opens it, and when she does, she gets transported into a video game world in which she's able to gain all this knowledge what? about being a samurai. And then when she sheaths her sword back in or whatever, she goes back to reality. So it's like, well, this is a weird superpower. Like, what is? I don't know. I just the CGI effects were really terrible. So. 
I, I don't know. I didn't like it. At least that part. But anywho. Wow, that's a reach. So what have you been up to? Well, wait, well what's mom? Oh, uh, my mom's not hasn't been doing well. She uh, went to the emergency room. And oh. so. Is she okay? Are you, uh, are you able has, to share what, what's going on or is that private? No, she, she has like a, they ended up finding out that she has like a, an ear, like she ended up running into a tree. Yes. Running my mother. into a tree. Hold on, hold it. Running as in I was running with my Lamborghinis or I was driving a no, car? No, she was helping a kid and she's a, a preschool teacher. So she was helping a kid. She got distracted and she ran into a tree. She her, she was physically running and ran into a no, tree. No, she didn't run into she whatever. She she sunny walked into okay. a tree. Okay. Sunny bone yeah. So it broke one of the bones, the several different bones that you have within your ear. What? Did they put so, a little ear cast in her ear? Like like a teeny tiny little ear cast. No, those don't exist. That'd be so cool though. I know. Yeah, just imagine like like and then you get people with teeny tiny pens sighting your teeny tiny cast. In your ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a horrible person so can, is her balance off now yeah her balance is off so whenever she um shuts her eyes she will immediately fall down to the ground so well it's pretty serious how long does it take it to heal is it um, a six week or is it long it's it's a long process so oh man do they have like prosthetic ear bones and shit no shut up no i'm i don't I, it's a they have prosthetic everything like I'm not it just fun. it just takes time to, for it to rebuild itself and heal. Holy shit! Did she so, did she hit her ear on the tree? Like was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because she was helping the kid, looking down that way, and oh, she ran. So it's like when you bump your head, except she bumped her head on a tree, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've never actually heard of someone. I didn't even know you could break your ear bones. Like they're so far in your head. Yeah. Wow. She must have hit really hard then. Yep. Wow. Well, hopefully your mom gets better soon, because that sounds just awful. Well, so what have you been up to, Tugs, on the bright side? On the bright side. Well, I went to rain first. Uh, that I So I didn't go out into the con space a lot. Like, I was out in con space some, and I did lobby con a couple times. Uh, that con was insane in, in not a good way sometimes. Like, I had a good time. 95% of the con was great, but they're, like, um, people threw dirt in the hot tub. What? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of theories as to why this is happening. Um, the one thing is that convention growth is relatively flat. They only increased 200 people this year. So it's not like the con just got too big. That is not a thing. Um, the only thing that I can think of, and now this is my opinion. I don't have a scientific basis of it. This is just a working theory. That's my disclaimer. Are you going to talk about the new generation of No, furries? no, no, no. I think what happens is, is you go, it's a thing. Like I was talking to a couple people here locally about it that aren't furries. When you go to Washington, it's like pot is legal. And so not only do, like, I go to con and I drink. It's my thing. I do it at con, right? Mm-hmm. But now you can go to Washington and smoke. So I think what happens is you get smoking and drinking together, and then suddenly you've got a double trouble situation. And so you're not inhibited and you're stoned. And depending on how you handle weed, because not everyone handles weed the same way, some people probably did too much. They binge smoked or binge, in, you know, they binge imbibed in some way um, and just got really stupid. Uh, I mean, we've all gotten stupid when, we, when we've when we had too much to drink, right? Mm-hmm. So if you add weed to that, I imagine it would be much worse. Now, I I've, I can't do weed very well. It doesn't agree with me. I know you don't do weed because of your choice, personal choice, which is fine. Um, but I know that there are people that, that you can't mix them. Um, but I could tell Saturday night that 
um like just we had a we had a patio room and i had to we had the door open but you could hear it was just kind of like people were getting really stupid like running and falling and just general kind of you know the kind of shouting that you get when people are drunk that kind of when it gets a little out of hand i heard i heard people were fighting with the the staff hotel there yeah they were and the thing is is on sunday the hotel put out letters the hotel without the con's knowledge saying okay we're done with this crap at midnight which is a pretty like you skip steps one two and go right to three so you evoke the nuclear option. That means the hotel's pissed. Um, and so it's just, you know, the con was trying its best. But as attendees, you have to be mindful of the fact that you can kill a convention just like Oklahoma got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it was a combination of weed and pot in, it excessive, could, it could make, in excessive amounts. I have to stress that. but It could make RF not have a hotel next year. Well, they're, I think they're under contract for one more year. But yeah, I mean, the thing is the hotels talk to each other, too. So yeah, but if if they're doing something that breaches that form of contract somehow, oh, yeah. the hotel can get out of it. Oh yeah, for sure. And so um, I mean that's just a theory. I don't know, but it, it it's it's it was insane, and most people were fine, but there was definitely a small group that got crazy out of hand. I would have to say that at that particular time, the convention should jump up and be like, "Hey, you're banned. You're banned. You're they banned." They did. They pulled more badges this year than they pulled combined. So. They probably should. Well, they they did. Anyway, um, other than that, though, it was a good time. I saw a lot of friends. Um, they opened an L and L last year, I guess, um, which is a Hawaiian barbecue. I went there a lot. It was really good. A lot well, of fun. I I did have a good time. Thank goodness you got out of Salt Lake. <laughs> you know, you left me behind with a whole bunch of like Comic Con people. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. So uh. sorry. Oh, uh, all right. So it is that time. He's only half baked. It's Rue's cookie time. All right, so I'm going to open up today's cookie. I had a fortune cookie yesterday and thought of you. Really? Yeah. Oh, you should have kept the fortune. It was a very good one. That's why I didn't keep it. Oh. Well, the fortune, this is what the fortune says. The fortune you seek is in another cookie. In bed. With the cookie. It's like... Are the cookies making little cookies? Are they making mini cookies? Like the famous Amos cookies? I think it's more like your princess in another castle. Like your... With another cookie in bed? Yeah. With another cookie. No, it doesn't make any sense. No. Let's move on with the show. Welcome back. I hope that you had a great potty break. I did. You did? I did. You did. Uh-huh. Yeah, you didn't even have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, we're back. So, we have a wonderful guest that's coming in today. His name is Julian. Hi, Julian. Do you Hi. want us to introduce you that way? Uh, you can. What do you go by? Uh, like on FA? or How do you want to be known as in this show? Oh, well, you can call me Julian because that's my actual name. Um, What's your furry name then? Uh, Alistair. You've been around in the fandom for how long now? Mm, four-ish, four-ish years. How, so did, how did you find the fandom? Uh, on accident. Um, you, you had an accident one day, and then there was the fandom <laughs> inside you. <laughs> Maybe. Um, uh, yeah, my my uh, best friend is a furry, and I actually didn't know about it. Um, and we were we've been friends forever. Like we've been friends since I was two, and he was one. Um, and so, like, we were hanging out in high school, 
like I think it was like late high school. It might have been early college. My memory's bad. You'll excuse me. Um, but we were just sitting around one day. No, I think it was early college. And he kind of was like looking over at me, and I, we're playing video games. And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "You're good at drawing people." Long pause, and I'm like, "Thank you." So he's like, "You should draw. You should draw furries for the internet. They'll pay you." And I was like, "No, they won't." Yes, they will. <laughs> so I got into it kind of just peripherally. They paid. Well, and yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, I knew that furries existed before then because I was a child of the internet. But right. But they were those things. No, it was just so much like. I don't know. I didn't have a negative or positive opinion on it. No. Oh, okay. So what? Uh, you have a character. What species is your character? Uh, cougar. Cougar. So are a you mountain lion? A mountain lion. <laughs> mountain lion. Do you, That's do you awesome. feel like you have characteristics that resemble a cat? Then you do you kind of like become social when you feel like it, and kind of go away when you feel like it. Mm, um, I don't know. Um, uh, my two favorite animals are coyotes and cougars, and I like both of them because they're uh, they're intelligent and reclusive, but they're adaptable mm -hmm. and they get kind of overlooked it's like oh well i'm gonna be smart and do my own thing whether you support me or not kind of a thing so how long have you been in utah i was born here born here awesome native are you um well you know because of our subject that we're talking about today which is transgender furries are you male or female uh, i'm male so were you born that way? I'm female-bodied. I'm genetically female. Genetically female. So um, one thing that people run into, and we're going to get into the story about how this came about, but one thing that people run into immediately is um, the whole pronoun situation. So if someone comes along and they run into their friend or someone they meet and, and they identify themselves as being transgender, how should they approach the pronoun issue? It's very simple, actually. Just call them what they want. We do that with names. We do that with nicknames, especially in the furry community. Like, my real name is Julian, but you guys are asking me how I want to be called. We can do that with pronouns, too. It's very simple. It, you see, it's interesting because people um, I've talked to, they're like, I feel really bad asking. It's like, no, just ask them. Like, I mean, if, like, somebody, why would you not ask? if somebody wants you to address them a particular way and you ask them, right. then, then you'll know the answer. Then it won't be awkward. I think I've shared this story before. Um, and I mean, maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I took it the wrong way. But somebody came up to me at a convention and asked me, excuse me, I don't mean to be offensive at all, but I want to know, are you transitioning? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> and it was kind of a little bit, I don't know. So I, I understand where you're coming from about just going up and asking somebody. Oh, I, I mean, I don't necessarily don't exercise social caution. I mean, if you see a bigger woman in the grocery store, you don't just go up and go, are you pregnant? It's okay. Okay, but, good, good. But I meant like if you're aware that somebody is transgender, it's like it, you know, just like if you ask if somebody, if you know that somebody doesn't go by their legal name. Like I just meant, I just meant it's really not that hard if somebody tells you what they want to be referred to as. Yeah. So in other words, don't walk up to somebody and say, um, "Excuse me, are you a he or a she?" Hi, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to be socially awkward. Like, you can still exercise, like, I'm an adult, and I can read social cues. And you, you, Hold on, though, because a lot of furries <laughs> can't read social cues. It's, it's and, they, and they need help true. on that. Yeah. So this is probably a question that you hear a lot, especially um, with people that have gotten to know you. Um, they probably have reached out and said this particular question, or in this way, probably. Um, so when did you find out that you weren't the correct sex? I actually do get asked that a lot. Um, and it's a difficult, it's, it's a tricky question to answer because there isn't an answer. I've never not known. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> Did you, did you have the look in the mirror syndrome? Um, and I, I say it is syndrome, but I don't mean it in like a, a bad way. We had uh, Yuriu on for one of our episodes, and he was saying he looked in the mirror and he didn't feel like what he saw was how he felt. It was like a an unequal thing. I can't. The word well, is not coming. Just to so me. that people remember, Yuriu is another kin, and he is you know his his inner spirit, being, yeah. yeah inner being is a dragon. Right. So did you did you look in the mirror and go, I don't agree with what I'm saying? I mean, maybe I think that the awareness was far earlier than that because I think conflicts with like looking in the mirror comes when your body starts actually changing. Like mm -hmm. you start going through puberty, and I, mine was much earlier. Like I was like, th wow. my my mom said when I was around three, I wouldn't come out from under my bed for two full days because I said I hated the world because I was born a girl. Hmm. So very, very strong, just right out of the right out of the door. Yeah, that's why I was saying like it's hard to answer because I I don't remember a time in which I wasn't feeling uncomfortable about it, mm -hmm. or knew about it, or was aware of it. I mean, obviously, when I was that young, I didn't quite have the vocabulary for it, but at the same time, it was something I don't. I'm my long term memory is very poor, so a lot of this is secondhand memories, but. I was still obviously doing research into it because my mom said when I was about six, I was in the back of the car. We were talking about something. I don't, I don't remember what, but I was like, yeah, but there are surgeries where you can change your gender. That oh, was when I was internet. six. <laughs> like, so how, how did your parents react to, to those things? How did they take it? Are they supportive? All right, were they supportive or were they would, were they pushing against it? What what was it? That, um, how did they react? Well, I um, I didn't start transitioning actually transitioning until college, and I mean my parents are older. My mom is fifty nine. My dad is sixty, and part of it is a vocabulary issue because my mom said growing up she knew something was different, but she was like, "Oh, I I originally thought you were a lesbian, but I knew you were attracted to men," and then she was out of options. Like, she, her generation just didn't have the vocabulary. Um, and then I started taking testosterone in college, and I was on my parents' insurance. So my dad found out about it and wigged the fuck out. He's come around now, but it, it took several years. He would, still doesn't get it. Would, would he have preferred that you came to him first and been like, I'm going to do this thing now? No. Or it, it would have done, there was no real good viable way to have said, so I'm no. going to start doing this thing now. Okay. Okay, so I, I um we have an email that's actually related to what we're talking about, but I wanted to pause that for just a minute because I feel it's important we define this before we keep going. Which is, what is the difference between sex and gender? Um, very simply, um, gender identity is how you feel. Uh, sexual identity is who you're attracted to. They're not mutually exclusive. So I could be, 
I could identify as female and be attracted to women and thus be homosexual, or I could identify as female and be attracted to men and thus identify as heterosexual or be bisexual or anything in between. Um, but they're not linked. Right. And that's one thing people confuse a lot. I've noticed the other thing um, that I was getting at with the question too, and I, I did a, a gender studies class way back in college um, for a couple semesters. And something that they drilled into us was that biologically speaking, sex is just your genes where gender is a social construct and what we built up around that, all the social mores and stuff. And those two are not the same. So when you fill out like a form, it says, what's your sex versus what's your gender? We actually do treat them very differently, but it's not until you step back and look at them that you realize they're not the same. Even no. though we use them interchangeably a lot. Well, yes. I mean, part of that is um, linguistically English really isn't set up. <laughs> To allow us distinctions between those two, I mean, like in, I mean, if you get a, a Webster's dictionary, sex and gender are synonyms. Right. So, um, but I mean, another, I mean, you just, um, we we made a distinction between those two. I also want to bring up that another thing that is not linked to the, both of those, which is also related to social constructs, is gender expression. Right. Because I, you know, I know somebody who is biologically female and identifies as female, but her gender expression is very masculine. Right. That's another thing. It's like you can have masculine gender expression or gender neutral or female or androgynous or anything, and that could be completely unrelated to either your gender identity or your sexuality. So we asked our fans um, to send fans, in... listeners. Uh, listeners. Fans. Fanboys. Fanboys. Ah. Fan <sighs> so we asked our listeners to, to send, in, um, send in emails about um, transgender furries. And we had, pro this is probably one of the topics that we've probably received the most emails. So thank you. So thank you so much for your guys' support. And we're going to do our best to get through everybody's. Um, this first one comes from Sasha. And this is what she has to say. Hello, furries. This is Sasha, kitten nine. And I'm here to tell you about my transgender experience. Ever since I was born... I have always been girly, really girly. Sadly, this led me into the worst day of my life. On the first day of fourth grade, I decided to wear a cute pink dress to school. I didn't tell anyone I was, I was doing this because I was so excited to show my true colors. Unfortunately, I was bullied, beaten up, insulted, and hated instead. That night, I tried to kill myself with a knife, with a kitchen knife. You can still see that scar on my arm. This experience was so traumatizing that I am still afraid of wearing dresses to this day. Fortunately, I grew to love myself as time went by. Yes, there are a lot of things I, I depress about myself but I am still alive. So I must be doing something right. Anywho, this is as far as my transgender experience goes. Over the years, I have questioned if I am transgendered, but I consider myself as a femboy. For now, anywho. Anyway. So here I am, at 19-year-old gay femboy wolf who has tried to kill himself um, several times. My message to you is to be yourself, no matter what the world throws at you. 
Yes, this is an ironic statement coming from a chronically depressed gay person, but it is true. One of my favorite quotes of all time comes from the movie Little Miss Sunshine, in which the character states, just do what makes you happy and fuck everything else. So if you think that you are down and out, you are not. If I could find joy in drawing myself as a blue and green femboy, a wolf who loves to eat lollipops, then you can certainly have and certainly could be happy with yourself too. Trust me, living with hatred is not a healthy thing. I may not be the most positive person in the world right now, but there is still a silver a sliver of hope hidden and it's up to you to find it any whore thanks for listening to my opinion on the matter furries see you on instagram i love you rue and tugs bye-bye did you ever run into situations like this as a kid or i guess you didn't really start your transition till later right um i mean i didn't start uh taking hormones until later um i uh i've always been masculine Mm-hmm. Though, I mean, in um, in his defense, uh, the consequences for breaking gender roles are much more severe for male-bodied people and just men in general. So, you know, like women can can wear, you know, can cut their hair short and it's like they're a tomboy. If I wear a dress to school, I get the shit beat out of me. There's a difference. There's more leeway for gender expression for women, um, which is part of it. I mean, I was... Like, everybody thought that I, other than, like, my very close friends who were like, uh, no, he really likes penises. Um, everybody, <laughs> everybody thought I was a lesbian growing up. Like, absolutely everybody. Again, like, I wasn't, I was, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm not susceptible to peer pressure, so I didn't care. I mean, it is isolating and it is lonely, but it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, it's not like a battle worth fighting. It's like, oh, you think I'm a lesbian? You're wrong. Okay, bye. Do you know what I mean? But I, uh. Well, bye. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> like, you know, glasses lower. Like, deal with it. But uh, <laughs> and it, and it shine. Your glasses shine just a little bit. Yeah, anime. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, like, I. So I mean, I experience like consequences of it, but not nearly to that severity. Um, when I did that class, one of the things they talked about was their social norms, like just the things that if you break, it's a little awkward, but mm-hmm. we move on. And then there's the step beyond, which is a social moray, which is like, those are the things where you get killed behind a truck. Yeah, or turned into a pariah. Or... Yeah, those those have far greater consequences. Cause, yeah, and I think, yeah. I, feel, I feel like a strong majority of those apply to men. Yeah. Like there is much less leeway. Um, but I mean, I remember because uh, I don't know if you guys, if you guys know this, but... Um, to get um, to be a- approved for like hormone replacement therapy or anything like that, you actually have to get a letter of approval from a shrink, uh, like legally. So, and um, you're supposed to do what's called a real life test, which is supposed to take a year, where you ha- adopt the gender expression of the gender identity that you associate with. And I remember is going. Is that a national thing? Yep. Okay. Um, it's because uh, medically being transgender is still classified as gender dysphoria. So it's a psychological disorder, gotcha. even though it's not. And they are basically covering their ass and not wanting to get sued. Hmm. Um, but so I went to the shrink and I was like, yeah, I just want to get my letter. I have to do this li- like real life test or whatever. And, you know, she's, you know, talking to me and 
going and she's like you've already been doing it so like she just kind of gave me like my letter like i've never been past feminine yeah like so i didn't really have to worry about it so we have another uh letter or email i should say from mafalme says hey caster for what it's worth it's my first time writing in so nice to meet you my name is mafalme lion I saw you on Twitter and that you guys want a transgender first to write in, so here I am. I'm an 18-year-old transgender female to male that just came out this year to my family. Let's just say they aren't taking it well. Well, to start from the beginning, I grew up with two brothers and always felt more masculine than most girls. I always wanted to be the dad or son when we played house, that is if dog wasn't an option. Any whore, I found out what transgender was when I was 15 in high school listening to another podcast called Furcast. I live in their town. I didn't realize that's how I feel, so I classified myself as a trans man from then on. Generally, people take it well, respecting my pronouns and male name. I was even able to find my fiancé who cares for me, even though I'm trans. Now I am starting counseling for it, and hopefully we'll get hormones soon. Thank you for reading this. Hugs and cookies to all. Mafalme Lion. So, uh, Mafalme is at the beginning of this transition, and, and you've kind of been there too, right? Right when the, I don't know if it's like a portal opening or something. I imagine it's like you're looking out on a vast landscape of some kind. Um... Was that really exciting for you when you when you started, you know, you were like, oh, I'm going to get the hormones? and I mean, it, it was, but there was, to a degree, a lot of trepidation. I mean, because I, I, I would have transgendered, transgendered, I would have transitioned <laughs> much sooner. Um, the problem was I was in college at the time and I was living with my parents because they were um, saying like, hey, why don't you live with us to save money while you're in school? Um, and I was on my parents' insurance and I had a sneaky suspicion that my dad wouldn't take it well. So I had kind of like put it off and put it off. And then I was having a really bad couple of semesters in college. And it was just like a lot of kind of things compounding. And I'm like, okay, okay fuck this. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's go, go get my letter or whatever and start hormone and just like not tell him. Um, and, but of course I was on his insurance. And so he found out and, uh, does he just go read your EOBs and like all the details and stuff? Well, it's his insurance. He's I'm on. Gonna... I'm on his insurance, so it shows up on his statement. Mm -hmm. I guess I never. I get those when I throw them out. And I'm like, whatever. I know what I'm doing, but yeah, he reads everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it is kind of it was like a tricky situation because you know I'm I was to a degree because I was living with them like sort of dependent on them financially right? because I was in school. So I was like, didn't want to risk that. But then there's also like familial issues and where it's like, you don't necessarily want to put a strain on a relationship, but it's like, Oh, well this is going to happen. So sometimes it just has to. Do you have any siblings? Yes. I have, I have a brother and a sister. They're both older and they both don't live anywhere near here. Okay. So you're the youngest. Yes. How, how, how do they, uh, how do they feel about your transition? Do they not care? Is it like whatever? Um, yeah. Um, I actually, d um, I haven't seen my brother in like five years. He lives in, he lives in Moscow. Um, Russia or Idaho? Russia. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I said he doesn't live anywhere near here, I meant as almost as far away as you can get. Okay. Um, and my sister lives in Madison, Wisconsin, and she is very positive about it. I technically never told either of them. I think my parents told my brother. I just, I never see either of them, but my sister's very supportive. She has two, two boys, two nephews, and they are so fucking cute. So I should actually tell you guys this because it's cute. So um, 
my sister my sister later was relating this story to me. So, cause, and I'm very proud of my sister for how well she's raised her kids. And, um, so she's, she's met up with an old friend and she's talking with them and, you know, kind of like an old college friend. So they're, you know, they're catching up and he's saying like, Hey, what's going on? Like, I remember you have, you have some siblings. How are they doing? And she's like, Oh yeah, my sister is. And, uh, Hayden, the younger one, I think he was six at the time. He wasn't a part of the conversation. He just jumped in. He went, no. See, she had a sister, but now she has a brother. Nice. I was like, yes. <laughs> so cute. But yeah, no, my sister's very positive. And I think my, my, my brother doesn't give a fuck. Like, but yeah, it was more just, it was more just the, the only really issue I had was with my dad. Gotcha. All right. And then I think we have one more email before we take our first break from Kuno. All right. This is what Kuno said. He said, hello there for what it's worth. How are you guys doing? I hope you had a lot of fun at RF. Regarding the show topic, I have a couple of questions that you guys may be able to clear up for me. First of all, after an odd argument with a friend where I informed them that it's polite to refer to transgender people as their new gender, post-op or otherwise, they gave a really strange... Um, retort he asked if they would refer to furries as animals since they also may think that they are born as an animal i know it's a bit of an obscure silly conversation but i wasn't able to make a solid argument against it anywho many thanks to all of you folks for all of the efforts that you put into making such a great show. And sorry for the short email, your friend. So, what you, how do you respond to that kind of an argument? You probably have a better counter-argument than I did when I read that. Um, well, that's a little bit odd. Um... Because that's more of an other kin argument in my eye. Yeah, it kind of seemed like apples and oranges to me. Like, they don't... I don't know. Um, because because you're not... Transgender's not a choice. Furry's like a lifestyle hobby choice thing you choose to engage in, right? You could be... Tomorrow, you could wake up and go, oh, I'm not a furry anymore. But yeah. you're not going to wake up tomorrow and go, well, nope, today I just feel like I'm going to be the opposite yeah, I'm sex. No, I'm, I'm no longer gay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I got over that. <laughs> I've, I've been cured. Yeah, can't come in. The, can't come into work today. Still gay, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, actually, the thing that I noticed more in that email was um the part where he was saying referring to somebody. What was it by like post or pre or quote? It was in quotes. New gender. Well, yeah, but the, the sentence after that post op or otherwise. Yeah, the actually that was the part that I found odd about that email was because. Because it's polarizing. Because um, just like gender expression and just like gender sexuality, um, it's a spectrum. And not everybody falls at the same point on the spectrum. Like one uh, common thing that I get asked um, is like, oh, are you going to have top surgery? Oh, are you going to have bottom surgery? It's like maybe. Like where somebody's transition begins or ends is not necessarily the same for somebody else. And some people have top surgery some people have bottom surgery some people have neither and that doesn't make them less transgender um 
it you know it's so it's well so that I, people know I, what is the difference between top and bottom so surgery. for so for for female to male a top surgery is a mastectomy a double mastectomy mm-hmm. um and then bottom surgery would be genitalia surgery and there's only two options there's a metoidioplasty and a phalioplasty and they're both pretty fucking terrible like the science i've seen video on pictures well yeah. it's it's just like i don't know but a lot of people have them and they like them you know what i mean it's just but it's not the solution for everybody it's also like some people that's not something they're interested in doing and that's fine but i don't know like i i feel like it's human nature to polarize things it's easier to think in black and white but i think to compartmentalize gen- yeah to comp- compartmentalize and, and we do that naturally as animals and i think i just think in issues of sexuality and identity and expression that's very limiting and it's not accurate for most people like some people are like spectrums include the ends some people are on the ends but a lot of people are in the middle. So do you think like a lot of people then were like, well, maybe I'll just get top surgery, maybe not bottom surgery or the other way around? Well, I mean, I fall into that category. I, I never, I'm having top surgery January 7th. Yay. Yay. But I would never, never even consider bottom surgery. Right. And I, I'm, I've always been curious and I've never asked my other friend who's uh, transitioning, but since you're here, I'm going to, uh, which is... I would imagine, at least this is just my two cents on it, but I wouldn't do that only because I, f- I figure what I'm trading for is not going to be as functional as what right. I have now. Yeah, I would rather have the wrong junk than junk that doesn't work. Right, or that you have to do things with. Because, yeah. I mean, you can keep some I mean, yeah, like if, if science was perfect and this was, you know, you know, sci-fi later and I just suddenly had a functional, anatomically correct penis, yeah, I would in a heartbeat. That's That's not what it is right now. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily like something that I don't, desire or identify as it's just the technology can't provide that so it's like oh i'd just rather have genitalia that functions and works and now if we could get like holographic technology so at least you have the visual appearance would you go for that like i don't know how we do it but let's just assume like you could just drop trow and say look i've got a a good functioning looking penis maybe i don't know Hmm. Hmm. sometimes the visual is like all you need sometimes right i know i know with some furries like if you think about it, if if you think about it this way, like there's some people out there that's like, man, if there was like this pill that I could take, because, you know, I'm into the transformation community, okay? Tales so, yeah, exactly. It's like if I could take a pill and then all of a sudden I like start growing fur and I'm all of a sudden this furrier, you know, um, there's stories of people being experimented on and then all of a sudden they're this fuzzy animal or whatever. You know, it's, isn't this somewhat somewhat the same in some ways or would you think that that's categorizing it i mean i i think it's different because one is a fetish and the other is not like that's very different um you know like well what if they're like an other kin where they physically believe that they are this embodied wolf sure but that's different from somebody like getting off on werewolf transformations versus like actually identifying as a werewolf yeah that's what i mean like one is one is something that's purely sexual and an other is like an identity do you, do you see what i mean yeah no 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 i understand exactly what you mean so i think we're on the same page on that okay so all right well i think it's time for our first break so we have some space news rant and then we will be back where we will continue our discussion we'll be back <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey Ling Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here, and this episode is going to be a little different. I was confronted with an issue that I feel very passionate about, so if you'll indulge me, I would be exceedingly grateful. Recently, NASA held a press conference where they made an earth-shaking announcement. They've discovered evidence of liquid water flowing on the surface of Mars at regular intervals. Being a fan of all things space-related, I was blown away by the revelation. However, it seems the rest of humanity greeted this news with a rather cool reception. I'm an avid viewer of The Daily Show, The Nightly Show, and At Midnight, all on Comedy Central. I'm also very fond of Stephen Colbert's iteration of The Late Show. All four of these programs mentioned the discovery, and the response was almost non-existent. Only a few claps and half-hearted cheers were all the audience could muster. Some of the hosts even had a comment on the lackluster enthusiasm. On Tuesday, September 29th, The Nightly Show had Bill Nye on as a panelist to discuss the discovery and why we should care about it. And this was where all the thoughts I had floating around in my head about the lack of interest finally clicked into place to form a crystallizing notion. The other two panelists on the show come from comedy backgrounds, of course, as is common on The Nightly Show. And true to his nature, Bill was trying his absolute best to be the educator that he is, explaining why it's astounding and why we should care. The problem I have with this discussion was it wasn't really much of one. Bill had to fight to get his point across, getting talked over by the other two panelists, and occasionally Larry himself trying to clarify a point, which I can't really fault him for, especially since Larry was trying his best to help Bill out. Neither of the panelists Bill was speaking to cared that much. One overtly stated he didn't care at all purely because he had no intention or ability to ever go to Mars. The other tossed out two comments that, while I know they were jokes and it's a comedy show first and foremost, they hit far too close to the truth for me to ignore. If that water is Caitlyn Jenner's tears, then I'll care. And, I have a question. Can you make a sex tape on Mars? I can give those two lines a little leeway on the grounds of meaning to entertain the audience. But that's just it. We still have to use those kinds of tactics to make discoveries like this interesting to the general public. People care more about the Kardashians than they do the space program, and that is a real tragedy. I have always been a deep, passionate fan of the space program, and that's because I grew up being shown and taught about it. I grew up in the era of the shuttle program. Astronauts went into space from my home country regularly. We helped build the ISS with our fleet of shuttles. I loved everything about it. Now though, it's rare that we hear much about what's going on up on the ISS in the way that we used to about the Apollo missions or even the shuttles. The public's awareness of what NASA is doing has dropped to almost nothing, and that's not just sad, it's also kind of dangerous. A co-worker of mine confessed to me she didn't know that the space shuttle had been decommissioned. She was aghast to find this out and asked me, well, what about all these missions to other planets we're sending people on? If they're not on the shuttle, how are they getting there? I had to explain to her not only that the shuttles were mothballed, but we had not visited any celestial body other than the moon. It became clear that she had assumed many of the science fiction films were closer to the truth than they actually were. I went on to explain that we have only one vehicle currently capable of launching humans into space. America currently pays $70 million a seat to Russia to fly our people to the ISS and back, and each Soyuz can only hold three people, one of which must be a Russian pilot. And they can only be below a certain height since the Soyuz is tiny. I also explained that there were multiple crewable vehicles currently being designed and built, but wouldn't be ready to fly until 2017 at the earliest, which is about when Russia is going to be cutting America off and not fly any more American astronauts. Needless to say, my co-worker was utterly shocked. That was the catalyst that inspired me to start creating this segment. 
and then the public's lack of interest in this amazing discovery on Mars has shaken me further. People keep saying, that's great, but how does that affect us here? It's on Mars. The uses for this water range from human consumption, irrigation for crops to support a colony, electrolysis into life support, or even rocket fuel. And then there's the fact that it greatly increases the odds we could find microbial life on Mars. Such a discovery would force us to rethink our place in the cosmos. This makes the fourth celestial body that either has confirmed or strong evidence supports the possibility of having liquid water. Mars, Europa, Enceladus, and of course Earth. The idea that more than one body in a single system can host life suggests that life is far more common in the universe than we originally thought. It holds the potential to literally change the world. When such an argument is made, it's usually met with another counterpoint by the general public. Why bother with space? It's up there, and it's a long way away. We've got our own problems down here. This is a fair concern. We do have a lot of issues to address down here on Earth. But the work we're doing to advance the space program advances us all in many ways we don't realize. Much of the advances that came about that made the moon landing possible are still with us to this day. All our modern electronics, computers, televisions, satellite receivers, cell phones, laptops, tablets, they all have a lineage that can be traced all the way back to the Apollo program. Each Apollo capsule needed a powerful computer on board to operate the vehicle, keep it pointed in the right direction, calculate maneuvers and such. The problem was, such computers often took up entire rooms. When you're flying a rocket, size and weight are the enemy. So the engineers at NASA developed the most revolutionary device of its time, the CMC, or Command Module Computer. It was capable of all necessary functions, yet it was still small enough and light enough it could fit inside the command module, which wasn't terribly big to begin with. This idea that you could pack a lot of computing power into so small a space was revolutionary. The Deep Space Network currently in operation is just the latest form of the satellite system NASA established to communicate with its manned missions in orbit and beyond. And that network structure ultimately gave birth to what we now know as the Internet, a repository that contains the sum of all human knowledge. But you can't just focus on past exploits, because that does not do justice to what all space agencies are doing. The ISS is an orbiting laboratory where countless experiments have been and are still being run. The majority of these are designed to benefit life on Earth directly. We are learning about radiation exposure as well as the material science that will help protect us in deep space, which can be used to better shield nuclear reactors and insulate homes from heat and cold. A weightless environment allows for the manufacturing of experimental pharmaceuticals we can't do on the ground. Astronauts run experiments to learn about the substance of the universe, which could potentially yield new methods for generating energy or development of advanced propulsion. Even the astronauts themselves give us valuable insights. Studying how the human body atrophies in zero gravity and discovering ways to fight it can help us learn how to fight muscular diseases and bone loss like osteoporosis here on Earth. The contribution of the space program is not limited to just these few examples. It extends far beyond that in so many industries, products, and services that it's virtually impossible to name them all. And they all exist because engineers and scientists were given the freedom to explore previously dismissed avenues, all in the name of reaching the stars, literally. We as a society continue to deny these facts, largely because we as a society do not educate ourselves about the space program and why it is so important. If we as a species manage to not destroy ourselves, we are destined to leave this little blue ball we call home and reach out into space to explore, to live, to work, to expand, to evolve. 
Earth will not last forever. There are millions of cosmic events waiting to wipe us out. Even our own sun will one day expand late in its life cycle and consume our planet. That won't be for 7 billion years, but it will eventually happen. If we still exist when that happens, hopefully we will have moved to a safer, younger home. But we can't do that if we just shrug off space exploration. By not going to Mars, we deny ourselves our own potential. The act of putting a human on Mars is just one small step in becoming more than we are. It is in the course of such great accomplishments that we grow as a people, and to deny it welcomes stagnation. It is for all that I have said that I feel so passionate about sharing the news surrounding our efforts to reach into space. There is an extraordinary lackluster amount of interest because there is so little education on the matter being attempted. I want to share my passion for the space program so that others might find their own passion in it as well. We can be a great people, we wish to be. Sometimes it's hard to see the way, but I'm here to tell you exactly where we need to go. All you have to do is keep looking up. Hello, it's Misky from the UK, where the public transport is always on time and no one ever complains about the weather. Anyway, you're listening to For What It's Worth. And we're back. So, we want to thank Misky for the ident, and yes, everything is always on time, but not quite as on time as Japan. And Misky, you just make everything awesome. There you go. I think Rue's crushing on you. Maybe. Ah! No. No, I don't know where that's going. All right, so we're going to continue what we were talking about before break, which is transgender furries. And to kick it off, we actually have an email from Mish. Now, I'm going to thank Mish for this ahead of time because I hammered Mish on the head several times and said, you must write, you must write, you must write. And Mish wrote, and I'm happy about it. So... Uh, this is a this is a little long, but here it's here it is. Have you read the article from this trans girl Courtney Damone, who is asking social networks, "Do I have boobs now? If not, you can see it at this link." However, don't focus on the boob part. Read the article and her comments on how she's lost her male privileges upon becoming female. The more female she looks, the more people have crossed boundaries they've never crossed before when she was male. Goodbye, privilege to not be frequently sexually harassed by strangers. Hello, expectation to engage with every man who approaches me. Goodbye, privilege to feel safe in public spaces. I noticed those exact same things from a very early age. I was thankfully raised by open-minded parents who explained to me the birds and the bees and genitals and sex when I was two or three. I was allowed to play with toy cars and chose not to play with dolls. I could choose between wearing pants and a dress. I could speak my mind. And at age six, someone asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. I replied I wanted to be a taxi cab driver and everybody lost their mind. What I did not have... Um, what I did not have the opportunity to explain at the time was that I wanted to do that because there were no female taxi cab drivers at the time, and I thought women can drive too, so why wouldn't they be drivers? The older I grew, the more I noticed this inequality. People criticizing me for not wearing dresses or skirts as often as I should. People telling me to be more feminine. I was tomboyish. People telling me I should bleach my mustache hair, and my aunt actually did it to me when I was nine for my first Catholic communion, and I ended up with first, chemi first degree chemical burns on my upper lip because she left it on too long. This made no sense to me. Oh, and the terrible, terrible thing that is puberty. If a female childhood has those wear a dress and be girly adult advice pieces, becoming a woman makes it so much worse. I started growing breasts and then men, all kinds of men, start looking at you, staring at you, oogling at you. 
And if you're in a school uniform, which means a skirt, forget it. They will raise your skirt with their eyes. It's horrible. So I started wearing the most hide-my-body clothes that I could find. Baggy t-shirts, baggy pants, tennis shoes, no makeup. But people increase their, you should dress up, you should be more feminine, and similar comments. I realized how uncomfortable it was to live in a woman's body. I don't hate being a female. I'm honestly more of a bi-gender or gender-fluid person, and I hate this the way society treats women. Call it machismo in Mexico. Misogyny. I hate inequality and the enormous loss of privilege women have to suffer in this male-biased world. It's misogyny that robs women of these privileges. It truly is. So that great uncomfortable feeling started around 13 for me, and at 15 I realized I was also attracted to women, and at 19 I gifted for myself for my birthday my very first tee shot. Between 17 and 19, with the help of the Information Superhighway, I realized there was something called being trans, which meant one identified more with being the opposite gender or sex than one assigned at birth. Uh, my first tee shots were for only four months because I just wanted to lower my voice and be able to pass as male, because before that I would pass as male from clothing and haircut. But the moment I opened my mouth and said something, people corrected themselves as, Oh, I'm so sorry, miss, since I had a high-pitched voice. I was a senior in high school, and then I passed more and more, which made me realize how incredibly privileged males were. Getting a cab no longer meant making sure no skin was showing, nor keeping a vigilant eye on the driver make you think of trying something, but hopping in the car and talking with the cabbie as if there were no cares in the world. That's one of many examples. And that, in the end, made me decide to try fully living as a male. I then went to college and passed over 90% of the time. Some happy times, even despite my legal name ruining the image, the teachers would clearly frown a bit when calling roll and just shrug it off. I took tea several more times for periods of a few months at a time, mostly because it helped me pass better and also because it helped me feel less dysphoric about my mind and body. But I stopped because I wasn't entirely sure I wanted to transition, as in hormonally transition or surgically transition. Years passed and I have more or less settled into an identity. I am partly gender fluid, mostly male, but sort of feminine male at times. I present socially as male, although I'm short and have little facial hair. And even though sometimes people still identify me as female, I don't correct them unless it's in an important context, like classes or giving a lecture. Otherwise, I let them kiss my cheek, because that's how males say hi to females in an informal context in Mexico, and shrug it off. I'm still awkward at handshakes, so whatever. So, I found out that I only talk about the details of my orientation, gender, gender fluidness, and other things with people that are interested in the subject and want to talk about it. It's not that I'm uncomfortable talking about it, it's just that I found many people's minds aren't ready for something that is so outside of the binary box, so it ends up being hard or impossible for them, frustrating and exhausting for me, and not worth it. However, if the person's interested, open-minded and respectful, I will talk about it extensively. Um, and then they left an email, so if anyone wants to send a, the show an email, you can send that to the show box and we'll pass it along, but they are offering to talk if anyone wants to. But that was a, sorry, a little bit long, but there's a lot of interesting details in here I thought that we're, we're talking about. So have you noticed a lot of the male privilege that is talked about in here? Um, I mean, I, I notice it um, in, the, in the sense that I know that it, ex it exists. Um, like I was saying earlier that my, my gender expression has always been masculine. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, I have very severe attention deficit, so I have a nasty habit of tuning out my environment. So um, for the most part, I, I don't notice unless it's very overt, like how pe if, if people are staring at me or do you know what I, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I understand misogyny and I understand patriarchy. And so like, I know that these things exist. I um, haven't experienced it too much myself. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I have experienced in the sense that I don't walk down the street and people don't go, smile, 
you know, or, you know, just the hundreds of other things that women experience that men don't. Um, but so in a way, yes, I do. Hmm. Oh, that's just, I, I actually, I had never really thought about that until I got this email. I was like, you know, I don't really have to worry about like, I worry about getting mugged, not raped, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, cause tugs, I want to rape you. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, well, it's cause, it's cause public spaces are male spaces. Um, so basically if a woman is in a public space, she's, this sounds bad, but it's from the patriarchal, uh, mindset is that she's unowned quote, quote, Uh um, you know, like here's, here's something that you might've seen, like, say like there's, um, you know, there's a woman walking down the street and a guy comes up and starts like, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, like kind of not harassing, but like hitting on her, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, like, say she's a friend of yours, and you've, like, fallen behind. Like, maybe you're finishing paying your tab, and then you catch up. And then the, the guy will go, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know she was with you. It's, have you experienced that before? I, I've seen it. Yeah, but it's because it's she was by herself, meaning she was unowned. But if she's in the presence of a man, she belongs to him. Which I- is why, like, I've known countless female friends that, like, they'll take a guy with them to the bar. Just because by being at a bar with a guy, they don't get harassed, and it's a safer environment for them. And this is things that you try and explain to to like to men, and it's like you're not trying to attack them or anything, but it's like this is something that doesn't happen to you. So, like, because I've known lots of guys that are like, "Oh, well, I don't see that happening." And it's like because people aren't catcalling you, people aren't harassing you on the street. But you will see it in certain circumstances if like stuff like that happens where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a female friend of mine and I was just late to catch up with her. Um, Whew. That's just, I don't know. My mind is, my mind is blown. Because like, you, you see it, I, the only time I really see that is like when it's depicted in a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's always That's used what I was a comedic say. device. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but, you know. Well, uh, I mean. It's just a matter well, of Well, I guess my coworker, sit. my coworker, yes. Um, uh, actually a week ago she came in and she was just shocked and she went on her lunch break and she was she came back from it and she was just appalled and what happened is you know somebody just I mean it was very basic but she was catcalled and that mm-hmm. was her first time that she'd ever been catcalled before and she was just like for the rest of the day she just like she felt how do I explain it? She just felt kind of demeaned, violated. Dirty violated. And, yeah. yeah, and dirty. Well, I mean, it's. I feel like it's one of those where, like, a lot of guys will go, like, oh, like, I never see that kind of, like, you see it in sitcoms and you see it in parodies where people are, like, if they make it really overt, it seems more obvious and it's easier to spot. But, like, one thing that, it's like, if you sit and think about it, you go, like, have you, Tugs, have you ever been catcalled? No. Like, has anybody ever come up to you when you're, like, concentrating or reading and go, and you should smile more? Once, like, maybe, but yeah. But, or, but, like, I mean, female waitresses, like, if they take, or bar, I, I, I've known women bartenders, and it's like, if they're concentrating on a beer pour, you know, customers will go, like, oh, you should smile. And they'll actually complain to their managers as going, like, she's not very hospitable. She has poor customer service. Um, like, or... uh you're concentrating. Yeah, but <laughs> what the hell? But basically, basically you at this moment right now are not doing your best 
to like be as a person of my sexual desire. Right. Or you're rejecting my sexual interests, which is offensive to me personally. Like, and I can't handle that rejection. Do you think it's it's an instinctive drive then, or do you think it's? I don't know. I think it's very cultural. Hmm. Um. Because I mean, um, that's coming from like. Uh, I. Well, well, because th- there are biological things. So, like for instance, in mammalian species, the severity of how uh, gender roles are enforce- enforced is generally rigidly uh, correlated to how difficult it is to find food. Because typically in mammals, the male species are stronger. And, you know, so if if we're Vikings and the only way to get food is to kill a bear or ice fishing or we die in the freezing cold, only men are going to be doing that and women aren't. However, if we live in Guam, where it's like, oh, well, I could climb that tree or I could just wait for it to fall off. Like, the gender roles tend to be more fluid, and, like, you see less, and if you look at culturally, it's like, you see less, you see more gender fluidity in some Native American cultures, and in Pacific Islander cultures, Mm. but here's the reality. Like, that is a biological instinct, and it, and at one time had a very good purpose, but now, in America, anyone of any sex of any age can just go to the fucking supermarket. Like, at this point, there, the, the, the reason for gender roles to exist is now moot. So I do understand that it comes from like a biological place, but it's, we need to recognize that now it's no longer relevant and it's caustic. Cause I mean, the, the thing that, the thing that bothers me the most about it is that it, it's so fucking inefficient. Like, like if, I I mean, if I was a CEO of a company and I marginalized 50% of my employees, like, like would I get anything done? I mean, I mean, or would I get anything done well? Like if I said, hey, Kay, I have a problem and I'm only going to allow 50 of you to submit solutions to that problem. Now, statistically, one in that 50 might have the solution, one in the other 50 might have it, one in both might, and then nobody might. But if I include the other 50, I increase my chances of solving the problem by 200%. It's like, why? Like, it makes no sense. But, yeah, I mean, that was kind of off on a tangent. But going back to just, I think... I think it's hard to make men aware of their privilege because the negative aspects of not having it don't impact them. Hmm. Like you don't suffer any negative consequences, whereas by just by being male, but there are negative consequences just by being female. It's interesting too, because like um, in, in my day job, um, I've been trying to incorporate women into it more because um, you know, the nature of engineering software and stuff is, um, they have a very different view on things and they have a different way of approaching things. And so sometimes you'll be working on a problem and they'll be like, well, here's this other roundabout approach of getting to the answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that is so much more efficient than what I was just thinking about. And so I've really come to value that kind of input, you know? Yeah. Just different ways of thinking. Right. But then what happens is, is they'll go and interact with someone else in the office or something. Um, And then they will be very upset because they were completely marginalized. They'll walk into a room and then, they'll try and offer their opinion and they will be just brushed off or talked over or is there someone else? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell dude, where do you get off on that? Like, what is that? What it's that very common though. I mean, if you talk to women in the workplace, yeah, like especially in a very male dominant field, like computer engineering or computer software. Yeah. See, and okay, here you go. <laughs> uh, here I'm coming from another point of view because Mr. Rue over here plays 
a secretary role mm-hmm. in which I'm coming from a different aspect of things because what is the secretary secretary role usually supposed to be? It's usually supposed to be a female role. No, and I totally get like the, I mean, because to say that men don't suffer from, it's, I mean. It happens. Yeah, it's, but also like gender roles are, you know, a bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, any expectations that we have for women, the opposite is expected of men, whether that's what you're want to do or what you're good at. I mean, plenty of people go into roles simply because it's expected of them, not because it's something that they enjoy doing or even something they're good at. Like men becoming doctors or lawyers just because that's what you do. But, you know, when I was working at, um, at one end of one place where I was in a sales position, um, a lot of people, you know, especially with my voice, that when a male was, call, um, was calling in and working with me, for some reason I could sell a lot of things to him. But, you know, if they thought that I was a male, they were very quick and ready to get off the phone as soon as possible. But they were willing to talk to me a little bit more, you know, because of that. But I don't know. That's probably going off topic. I apologize if it is. I, I, th- I think I, I know what you're getting at on that. Let's uh, move on to the next email, though. Okay. Which you have. I believe it's from uh, the Anonymous. Oh yeah, that that Anon. guy that the anonymous, the anonymous. He's he's sent us in a lot of emails throughout the years. Anonymous, yeah, we love you. <laughs> so, hello, all the for what it's worth. I wanted to email in and share my perspective on the whole transgender thing. First of all, I wanted to say that intellectually, I fully support transgender people and recognize that their feelings are completely legitimate and are actually backed up by um, scientific studies. I consider myself as trans ally. If If they are put down, I stand up on their behalf. That being said, I personally get very anxious and nervous around trans people because I can visually detect. I don't know why, but I, I very much get creeped out around trans people. I know that this is a personal issue of mine and that I am being completely unreasonable. I don't know why I feel this way, and I wish I didn't. Since I do feel this way, I try to make up up for it by being an ally whenever and wherever I can. If you have any advice on how to grow up and get over my irrational fear, please share it because I hate feeling this way. I know I have a lot of growing up to do and I hope I do it soon. All the best, Anonymous. So, you know... I can share some of his feelings in this way. I've had friends before that I've gotten to know them from throughout the years. And all of a sudden they, well, I can't necessarily say all of a sudden they decide to um, switch up their gender. And do you mean they, they explain to you they're changing their label? Yeah, they're changing their label. And, um, you know, it's been, you know, sometimes, once in a while, because I've gotten used to 
calling them by a certain pronoun, he, she, sometimes I'll make a slip up and accidentally call them by what they were before. And I've had in the past where somebody has gotten completely offended, um, you know, because of this slip up. And it's just something that, I don't know, it just, through, through time, if, I don't know the words I'm trying to say. It's just, it, for me, it's kind of like if you were to change your species of your persona or if you were to change your persona's name, I, I'm going to accidentally once in a while call you by this other, you know, this other persona or this this other name. It, it happens once in a while and, and I apologize and it's something that, that we're going to learn, you know, through time. And and I think that that's just something that, I don't know. What's your feelings? Um, with me personally, I, um, I mean, I, I consider myself to be a reasonable, rational individual. Like, I understand that people make mistakes. So I never get, like, super offended or anything like that. Um, it kind of depends on... For me, it depends on intent and willfulness. You know, like if I've known somebody for a really long time, especially if they knew me before mm-hmm. I started transitioning, it's like, oh, well, okay. Like it, it's understandable that every once in a while, you know, you make mistakes. Yeah. But I've also had people that are like, oh, no, you're just, in my mind, you're this. I'm like, that's not up to you. Like they refuse to alter their perception. Do you ever feel like that you have to defend yourself against those people, or like? I'm, I'm sorry, that just boggles my mind. I'm like, what? That's like saying dinosaurs lived five thousand years ago. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's irrational for sure. I mean, um, I had a uh, I was staying at my parents' house, and uh, a salesman came to the door, and my dad was like, "Oh yeah, this is my daughter." I'm like, I have a fucking beard. Like, if somebody sees me, like, I'm in the safety of my own home, but you just poten- you just outed me. Like, in that's potentially endangering my own safety, in addition to being really rude. But, you know, like, that's, like, a willful, you're not trying. Like, you don't care. There's a difference between that, like, malicious, in- well, either, like, willful intent, malicious intent, or just somebody being like, oh, you've known for me for a really long time, you made a mistake. So, I've had some people in the past that have said that they are um, transgender or that that they are a she, okay? But then they have this great big huge long beard mm-hmm. and they wear a dress with the great big huge long beard. I, I guess maybe I'm just feeling in in my mind, my my primitive mind, I'm, I'm just thinking, look, if you're going to be wanting to be called by this particular pronoun, then shave off the beard and, but that's, that's that's limiting to their own personal identity and expression because it compartmentalizes it. You're basically saying you have to pick one, which for some people that isn't, isn't how they how they what they want to do. Well, and I think that that's where this person's coming from. That's why I'm bringing bringing that I, up. I mean, I when when you were reading that to me, it sounds like they were saying like, oh well, it's like it's like individuals were like, I mean, because a lot of trans individuals look trans. Like, I mean, it's it's 
obvious that they are. And, you know, some people just like, you know, when you have a, an office full of white people and you hire someone who's Latina and then now everybody's walking on eggshells. And it's like, I know, I think some people get awkward around minorities or marginalized people or like, you know, people, people get awkward they, around dwarves. They people get awkward around development. Yeah, it's, it's not a part. I think what it comes down to is exposure because, you know, you know, this may be people that they've never encountered before. They don't have any friends that who are. So they just like their brain immediately goes, oh, shit, that's scary. I don't know how to handle it and kind of like shuts down. Maybe, mm, maybe. Well, it's, a natural it thing. it's not really, it's if we don't like know if it's something different if an unknown, unknown appears and we don't know anything about it we're going to on an instinctive level size it up and make sure that is this is this a threat to me my well-being the environment do i need to flee should i stay yeah and th- those would be like really instinctual things but right. then somebody who's rational would go dude i'm being a douche right you know but it's hard to you know just like somebody who has ocd knows that it's irrational but it's harder, it's difficult to change their behavior. Um, I mean, and again, I don't have, I don't have any, like he was asking for advice. I'm not sure how Work to give it. advice <laughs> other than, you know, because it's like. It's just something that you have to learn through time and well, getting to know people. Well, like yeah, if like you getting, have getting, somebody. Yeah, getting to know people and having positive experiences because, I mean, you know. Um, Go you up know, to po- somebody po- yeah, that posi- is. Positive emotions trump negative emotions every time, like. It's like if you if you have a lot of negative experiences it's, or even just unknown experiences, it'll be like, oh, well, you know, you might be more trepidatious. But the more positive experiences, you actively try and go out and meet people within the group that you're feeling uncomfortable around. That might help. Yeah. If you're able to get some understanding of an individual, yeah, like I mean, humanize that individual. Uh, yeah. Essentially, like, like my close friend of mine that I've already talked about. You know, a lot of people, if you thought, you know, if you went up to this person, he's like, I think that I'm a, I'm a dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am a dragon, you know, and you don't have any like contents behind it or you don't get an opportunity to get to know this individual. You're going to, yeah, you're just going to judge them for, yeah. for the things that they are. And I think that, you know. I think that it's good for you to spend time getting to know an individual, find out like who they are and then make yeah. those particular. Well, you don't need to judge anybody. I'm not saying well, yeah, that. But, I, but I, do, I do think it's very easy for, for, um, I think we, we very easily dehumanize people. Like, I mean, we do that with mental illness. We do that with the mentally disabled. We do that with the homeless. We, we do, that do that with the poor. We, yeah, we do that with poor people. We do that, yeah, with refugees. We do that, you know, we go, oh, well, it's very easy to be like, this doesn't affect me and this is something that I have that you don't have. Um, but we also do that with minorities and we do that with marginalized groups. And like, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's transgender, whether it's a racial minority... Um, or even just a genetic minority, like being deaf or... Um, even albino. Yeah, being albino. I mean, albino is very rare, but, but like, yeah, but, but you know, uh, achondroplastic dwarfism, like, you know, pe- they get treated differently and they get um, dehumanized. And it's like, well, they're just like everybody else. Like, So while we're talking on this, we're running out of time on the segment, but I wanted to touch on this because it's something that I, it's really important uh, to me personally. But uh, just two, I looked up two statistics to prepare for the episode. So... 
Um, ABC News in August of this year it estimated that there's about 700,000 people that are transgender in the United States alone. Now, they said the number's probably higher, but that's... Like I, either people who don't have the vocabulary or don't have access or don't know that or that's an option. Yeah, or won't admit it. Right. 41% of people in that group will commit suicide. Well, absolutely. So that's very telling. It's... Uh, as far as, you know, groups in society, I think it's one of the highest, if not the highest. Yeah. Uh, which is just shocking. And I've had friends that have struggled with depression um, and so forth as they've gone through their transitions and stuff. And it, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to think that they wouldn't be around. And so the, the questions I have for you are, have you struggled with any of this? Or have you not? Or have you had friends that have struggled with depression and, and the, that struggle? I mean, I haven't had... Um suicidal depression i mean i do have depression um but uh i I think that anybody saying that they have never had depression um is lying to them right right but but the thing is thing is is when you're in transition and you're going through all this and and you're and you're violating the core social mores of what our we have a very binary gender society Mm -hmm. and when you start going against that and you start getting treated differently you kind of lose yourself and that can lead you to want to kill yourself Ultimately, because mm-hmm. you're not being accepted on a certain level that's fundamental to your identity. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I had a friend that, that's attempted, I think, twice now. And it's just like, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I haven't. Um, and I don't know, at least that I know of, I don't know anyone personally who has. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that it's it's a big problem. Um, I mean, in addition to um, suicide, there's also a huge problem with uh trans homelessness especially amongst teens and they get kicked out well they get kicked uh they're rejected by their parents they get kicked out but then that's exasperated by the fact that shelters won't take them in really yeah because it's again we have a binary society and it's like oh no you 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 can't be in the women's quarters or you can't be in the men's quarters we don't have a place for you and they just are on the street there's a there's a huge problem with I mean there's a huge problem with LGBT homelessness in general. Um, about like thirty to forty percent of LGBT suffer homelessness at some point in their life. Right. Um, but it's it's also a very big problem for trans teens. Do you and, think Do you think the T should be with the L G and the B? Because I know we have a couple listeners that don't put that T on there, and and I I, I put a question mark is on that one. But why is that? Um, marginalization. Um, I, I mean, mean I, I mean, I have experienced, um, so I mean, we're, we're in Utah and, uh, Utah is a great place in a lot of ways and a really terrible place in a lot of ways. Um, so the last, the last pride, which was semi-recently, um, the, what's the, there's a title for, it's like one of the major speakers, like a keynote speaker, but I can't remember she has an actual name, but she was a trans woman and her talk. Grand Marshall. Yeah, Grand Marshal. The Grand Marshal at the last Salt Lake City Pride was a trans woman. Her talk was scheduled in the exact same time slot time slot as the trans march. What? Yes. As in, well, why would you think that trans people might want to go and hear a trans Grand Marshal talk? Mainly because there's a large amount of non-acceptance within the les- lesbian and gay community against trans individuals. And so it's basically, we don't want you at our Pride. We don't accept you. And so I, I would agree with you in that sense that there is a disparity amongst like the LG, the LGB community not accepting trans individuals and honestly not 
even knowing about it. Like, I mean, I've had, I've had gay guys, like, I mean, I've deleted it now because Grindr is the dumbest thing in existence. But, <laughs> um, but I've had guys on Grindr be like, so what's trans? And I'm like, it's the T in LGBT. I know what the G stands for. It's for you're a goddamn idiot. It's not tomato. Yeah, it's like this has been around for decades, literally decades. It's like you don't have an excuse to not know what this is. But there is a strong like push against with like a, a rift within those two communities. Hmm. And I think there, there are allies and there are people that accept, but there are tons of people that don't. So let's uh, let's do this and uh, let's go to break and then we'll come back and talk about how to support and okay. kind of switch to a more positive tone. Sound good? <laughs> Positivity. Positivity. All right. So we will be back. Uh. You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth brand industrial degreaser. When things get too slick, for what it's worth gives you the traction you need. Cleaning out those industrial machines can be a hassle, but with for what it's worth degreaser, it's a snap. Just spritz our patent-pending formula on the joint or rotor and watch as the filthy, nasty mechanical lubricant slides right off. Got messy doing the job? Don't worry. For what it's worth degreaser works on fur, feather, scale, and skin. It also doubles as a luxurious masculine fragrance, better than the next leading industrial solvent. For what it's worth, degreaser. For when it moves, even though it shouldn't. And now for today's secret code. Get this to ruin tugs as fast as you can. Two. Five. Twenty. Twenty. Five. Eighteen. Twenty. Eight. One, fourteen, one, twenty-four, five, two, fifteen, four, twenty-five, nineteen, sixteen, eighteen, one, twenty-five. Crack the code and send it in quick. Yes. Now, welcome back, everyone. So, we have a couple of emails that have been sent in. And wait, wait, wait. Before we do this email about support stuff, I have to ask you a question. And I, I, I found the tweet while we were just talking here a minute ago. I have to ask you, do you get really PO'd when people use the word tranny when they're not talking about a car transmission? Because I do, but I, I wanted your perspective on it. I, I do I mean it's an offensive word. Okay, good. Um, um, <laughs> I mean I, I think it crazy. I think it I think it is a word because I do know um people within the trans community that use it. Um but that's sort of you know, like people of color using the N word like That's our word. Well it's it's you know, it's sort of like trying to put a positive spin on something that is very negative, but it's very different when it's coming from a privileged group. Um do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people will go like, oh, well, Nicki Minaj says the N-word. It's like, she's a person of color. She can. Like, um, you know, and I think tranny very much falls into that category. Um, yeah, the tweet was, the next time someone says tranny and they're not talking about a car transmission, I'm going to punch them. 
Yeah. It is a very word. I'm not allowed to say the C word on this podcast, I was told. You could say it, but the bleeper will go. Oh, okay, it'll go. Um, yeah. But it's like how uh, female to males are boys on the internet. It's like, because you're a boy with a That's pretty offensive. You know? Right. It's like, uh, well, because it, it completely sexualizes and objectifies you. And I think tranny is similar. It's not as bad as boy. Okay. Uh, well, we were talking about how it's really hard sometimes to be in transition and the suicide statistics and those struggles. So we were going to uh, open this part Talk up. about the good side? Yeah, talk about support. So I have an email here, and it's from Miski, uh, the same Miski who did our it. And she says this. Hello, peeps. I'll skip the preamble and get straight to the point. I used to think I would never understand the topic of gender identity. My first thought was people feel like a certain gender... Of course, I should have realized this, but it never clicked. I used to think people were people, and the only difference between sexes was the physical anatomy. Personally, I don't think my gender would make any difference to my identity. I don't feel like any particular gender, so I struggle to feel how someone could be conflicted about it. I often dress in feminine clothes to accentuate physical features I like about myself, but without the constraints of society, I think this would be the case if I was male too, and the way someone wants to dress, etc. doesn't always align with their gender identity. For a long time, I've had to accept that most people feel a specific gender rather than making the most of their body. Feminine and masculine just sound like social constructs to me. So how do you know if you feel male or female? Is it wrong to not feel either? I'm going to pause and actually give you the chance to answer that. Um, I think it's completely valid to not feel as one or the other. I mean, because again, we were talking about how it's a spectrum and there are people that are more gender fluid um, or um, the intersex community or things like that. And it's like, you don't have to identify one or the other, or you could identify as masculine or feminine, but have a con- conflicting gender expression. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that somebody can't also identify as a less fluid part of that spectrum. Okay. Continuing, I have heard the term genderqueer used, and I wonder if I had to give myself a label whether that could be the most appropriate. But to be honest, I have no desire to label myself. I'm me, and I don't think gender makes a difference to that. However, I do have a persona that's a shapeshifter and frequently changes form and sex. I often wish I could do this in real life, but only in the same way as sometimes wishing I could have a tail, wings, or gills. When it comes to the whole pronoun thing, I'm not surprised people would be upset by the archaic way our language works. What is the point of he and she when there could be a general word for both? I use the word they a lot, but that would be considered offensive in a situation where I don't know how to refer to someone uh, who's certain of their gender. Sorry, it was a question. Would that be considered offensive if you just use they if you don't know? Because there are those gender ambiguous folk. Um, well, that's a difficult question to ask because um, the English the English language is is in and of itself misogynistic. We don't have a gender neutral third person pronoun. We have it, which you can you cannot use for people, um, and we have a plural pronoun they. And there actually has been a large, um, kind of semi recent social movement to use they in lieu of, even though it's syntactically um, not correct, you know, because as to avoid gendering things when there's no point in gendering things, because oftentimes we gender things without realizing it. Like people will be telling a story and they're like, oh yeah, this lady mechanic helped me. And it's like, you made a point of indicating that she was a female mechanic. Why? That wasn't relevant to the story, but you made it relevant. And people do that a lot. And so using they, even though it's ungrammatical, um, I can honestly say that I've used they before. Mm-hmm. The reason why that I've done that is because there are some coworkers of mine mm-hmm. that do not understand, like they're, they're a little bit young 
and they do not understand the whole that I have a boyfriend mm-hmm. and I am not oh, yeah, comfortable. Oh, yeah, safety, for safety reasons. Yeah, in that in that instance, it's to deliberate, deliberately eschew, you know, them finding out. It's being deliberately ambiguous, and it's like we can do that as a tactical choice. All right, let me get the last uh, paragraph in here real quick. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Hopefully this episode will help me understand my trans friends better, but whatever happens, I'll accept them for who they really are, not the label that people want to give to them. Looking forward to the show. Signed, Miski. I did have I did have something that I wanted to say about that because sure. um, they were they were saying that um, you know like oh I don't feel the need to label myself I may I may identify more as gender queer but I'm me regardless and I can relate that relate to that in a sense that um, you know you might go oh well these are the labels that society's provided w- for me and maybe they don't quite fit and why should I have to label myself and I agree with that entirely. Um, However, it's kind of like a baby steps kind of a thing when you're, especially if you're approaching people who are thinking about trans issues or gender issues for the first time, it's easier to give them vocabulary. Um, it's easier to give them something that they, you can define and that they can understand. And, you know, um, cause like I technically, like I really don't like identifying as trans cause to me, um, that implies that I'm transient, that I'm not actually male that I'm somewhere in between, which is not how I identify, but it's much easier as a social construct to go to tell people who don't know me or who may be thinking about these issues for the first time, it's easier to go, oh, I'm trans. Because that's that's a bit of information that they can chew on and they can digest and I can give them information on it. Even though it might be a, a shade of what I actually identify, it can help them head in a right in the right direction intellectually and to help like give them vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So I think like, I think labels can do harm, but I think they also can just give people information. It's giving people education and giving people more options. Right. And that's kind of why when we started the show off, I was like, let's define sex and gender because you can, you can not agree with whatever your body's genetics say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, so many people just, lump them together and it's like no once you separate them out and you go all right fine you know if you identify as male okay great you're a guy let's go have a beer or you know do whatever it's that it makes that that switch over so much easier you know you don't have to sit there and have this long drawn out debate with yourself you know the more mm-hmm. you know about how it works in general the better off you're going to be yeah right yeah i think i think education never hurts in any way right so let's move on to trent's email okay So Trent said, hello, my name is Nick, otherwise known as Trent, um, the shiny Mew. For for me, I have recently come to terms with being transgender MF, male male, female. Is that correct? Male to female? MTF. MTF, yeah, male to female. Oh, okay. Um, I have always enjoyed things being more feminine and never felt right about being male. Although I have been a furry for about a good three to four years, it definitely has influenced the speed at which I came to terms with how open and accepting the community is. When it comes to the transition, I have already been able to have friends call me by female pronouns, which helps me. I mean, which helps. 
although due to my current home being still with my parents, I cannot show it openly, using those pronouns around them, clothing, etc. Although I will not be changing my name for the fact I do enjoy my name, and it can be used in a gender-neutral sense. The other portion of transition to me um, being surgery. I will not undergo physical surgery being that I think it looks unnatural rather than considering hormonal therapy, um, treatment therapy, being that it is much more neutral and does not require the near amount of invasiveness. It may be a while until the time is available for me, um, but when it comes to the furry fandom and its influence, it has helped me so much to figure out who I am and supporting my decision. It may not have had as much to tell, much to tell as others, but I am glad to share, share it with others. Thank you for this opportunity. You know, I think it's great. Anybody, whenever anybody is able to find out who they are and, um, you know, just be able to stand up for what you are. And I think that that's, if I was to say that there's anything that you should find out in, in your life is who you are and, you know, stick with it and know that things will change throughout your life. You will change. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I also I also think, um, as kind of he was mentioning, that the furry fandom itself is a really great facility for that. Um, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, um, a platform in which we're engaging with people online. So there is, like, the safety of anonymity. And, you know, we're creating these personas or, you know, and it allows for a great amount of experimentation with our own identity and ourself without the fear of social reprisals, which is very important because it's like, oh, I can express this and I can entertain these ideas without being kicked out of my house by my parents or, you know, and I think it's a very good platform for gender self-awareness, for identity and expression. And I think it's a very positive community in that regard. We, um, we had one last email that came in and I, I lumped it into the wrong place in the notes, so I apologize. But it is another anonymous one, and it says, My mate has expressed the feeling that they have the wrong sexual organs, but they don't feel that they are the wrong gender. What does everyone think about this? I think they're wondering how should they proceed forward. Do you have any advice on that? If someone was biologically female and identified as female, but didn't I, uh, didn't like uh, female genitalia? I That's how I'm interpreting it. Okay. Um I think it's a it's a valid perspective to come from. It's not it's not one I've personally encountered, and I would say it's probably in the minority. Of, um, but I mean not not to invalidate it. Um, I think, like I I mean just I'm thinking about the legalities of it. Like you uh, you can't um, have uh, at least in the United States you can't have. Um, genitalia surgery or bottom surgery without like approval from both a doctor and a psychiatrist, which I think it would be difficult to get that approval if they don't diagnose you as like having gender dysphoria, meaning cause, but, and that person sounds like 
like they're like, oh, well, I'm biologically female and I identify as female. That would be a, sort of against that diagnosis. So right. I, I, I don't have any advice in that regard because I think leg- legally they would run into difficulty. I mean, because there's already difficulty, and I think that would just compound. Well, it kind of leads to the general, the general topic of the segment anyway, which is how important is support? It's very important. So how can people show their support the best? Uh, you know, a good ally is, 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 um, is supportive and accepting. And like, you know, if, if somebody comes to you with issues and, you know, simply just being willing to listen, but also realizing that if they're probably coming to you and you're, you're, you're in a position of privilege. So it can be very easy to sort of like, um, you know, go, oh, I'm going to support you, but sort of like take the issue out of their hands kind of a thing and I think it's I think it's important to listen and accept and and simply just digest what they're telling you whatever it is that they're telling you even if that challenges your perception because mm-hmm. um, we, we do have a very very gendered and very polarized and very misogynistic society um, so it can be it can be jarring for people to go, oh, well, I'm, I'm presenting you ideas that conflict with those core values. Um, so I think, I think the best way is to just be receptive, to entertain the idea that perhaps you're doing something that contributes to that marginalization. Because like a lot of people get very, very defensive. Um, you know, like it doesn't matter what kind of privilege you're talking about. Like when, say like, uh, like male privilege, like people, you know, someone will be trying to talk about patriarchy as a social construct and some, someone will go, well, not all guys are like that. It's like, we know that. We know that there are guys that are allies and there are guys that, you know, are not contributing to that. And it can be difficult for people to separate their own individuality from the construct as a whole. So like, just sort of being receptive and going, well, how am I contributing to this? Am I contributing to this? Are there things that I'm, are there ways in which my privilege, you know, that simply are there aspects of my privilege that I am not aware of? Are there things that I can do to like lessen that? Or do, do you know what I mean? Just simply mm-hmm. being, being receptive to the idea that you might be contributing to it. Not doesn't mean that you're a terrible person and you know, but just that, being aware of simply the privileges that your privilege gives you and how that may or may not be given to other people and just being receptive and being a good listener, I think, is the best way to be an ally. All right. So the last question we have for you on the subject is, what's the one thing you want people to know about this whole subject? I would maybe say not to even phrase it like that because I feel like as we continue to talk about these issues, that they're an ongoing process. And thinking about, like, what's this one singular thing? What's, I feel that puts it in the past tense as, it, as if it's something that we don't need to continually work on and then we don't need to continually talk about. And I do think that the, the furry community is a positive community and that it allows a place where we can talk about it um, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I, I should say, I guess it's... It's something I think people should be aware of. People should be just, we should be talking about it. It's an important issue and it affects a large percentage of our population. Um, Like people that we know, people that we care about, friends, family. Um, So I think it's it's good to have these discussions. And just because, I mean, 
I, I honestly feel, and part of this is I'm an academic at heart, I, but I feel like education never hurts. It just gives you more options, and it brings like more conversation to the table. Knowledge is power. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if I only have two options, that's what I'm stuck with. If I have eight, I can make a more educated decision. Um, and so as we continue to talk about this, it just, that's all it does, is it gives people more awareness, it gives people more options, and that's a good thing, because it is a, a, a big issue that affects a lot of people. All right. Thank you cool. so much. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So we, uh, we're we not going to do the game this episode for time reasons. As you know, this episode's probably a little long. So that means you don't get to be tortured. Yeah, we won't torture you, uh. but we'll get you back one day. <laughs> but to- we are- You'll torture me another day. Yes. But we are <laughs> going to move right into the mailbag. So uh, before I push the button, uh, we're going to blitz through it just for time reasons, but we do have mail. So here it goes. <laughs> All right, we've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. And it is time for the mailbag. So I will lead off. I have Miski's first set of mails. We actually have two, so I'll read them back to back. Um, this is These are the holdovers from the last episode since we didn't do the mailbag. And she says, Hi, peeps. I'm sorry I didn't have time to send you a proper message about gaming. In time for the episode, please accept art as an apology. It's on the page if you go to the For What It's Worth website. It's based on an enduring image that kept popping into my mind from previous episodes, and I had to get it down on paper, so I hope you like it. I'm mostly a PC gamer, and always seem to be a generation behind everyone else, so I'm not sure what era my favorites fall in. I shared a second-hand original Game Boy with my little brother, on which we played Super Mario Land and Tetris. Both have incredibly infectious music. Does anyone remember Spy vs. Spy? I never understood it. Some of my favorites on PC have been Spore, Spiral Knights, Portal, Mass Effect, Minecraft, Pixel Junk Eden, Anno 2070, and Bastion. But point-and-click adventure games are my happy place, like Myst. Um, other than PC gaming, I have stayed loyal to Nintendo, moving from Game Boy to DS Lite to Wii to my current 2DS. I love Pokemon, Children of Mana, Professor Layton, but I'd like to play some of the old classics, such as Super Metroid on the Virtual Console when I have the time. Recently, I've drifted into tabletop games, and currently video games fail to hold my attention for long. I've never worked in retail unless you count bar work, so I can't add much about that. I am, however, already looking forward to your Halloween episode. It's probably my favorite holiday of the year. And her other email is, Have you ever thought of doing an episode comparing the biology of real non-human animals to their furry counterparts? You could discuss how much people take this into consideration when creating their personas. If you decided to do it, she's volunteering. Um, expect a show ident for me in the next few weeks. Signed, Miski. Ah, uh, games. Ah, uh, games. Ah, uh, games. Portal was fantastic. Yes. Portal, Portal is amazing. Portal was fantastic. You know, I've been trying to get my boyfriend to play um, Portal 2, and he just refuses. What a he dick. just, I know. You should just tell him that he's wrong. I, I think what I need to do is tie him All up over and his face. say, you can't leave until you've finished Portal 2. He's wrong. <laughs> Good. So, um, we have another email. Okay. And it says, Dear, spelled D E E R, um, two and rugs. Yep. Yeah. Are you sure you want to read this? I I think I'll be fine. Okay. I dearly love your show and listen to it every day. I started listening around um, episode, I mean, season five. I current, I'm currently on season two, episode 19. I love the Mick Cardboard. <laughs> the McRib episode. Oh, McRib. Oh, it's gone already. I, 
I'm sorry, Tugs. Just read. <laughs> I listen to you guys while waiting for the bus, on the bus, in class, in my ass, and almost everywhere. You guys are truly inspirational. Yes. That's that's awesome. Yep. Usually we're in people's ear canals. I have never Continue. imagined myself in somebody's <laughs> ass. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I have. Um, now I'm off topic. Okay. So you guys are truly inspirational and also um, kick a bunch of people out of the closet. I am happily mated with the love of my life and I am corrupting her into further fluffiness. Yes, he spelled it further. Um, oh, and I forgot. I come from Dallas, Texas. And I'm waiting. I come from a Christian family, except we're Catholic now. So I basically don't tell anyone um, what I do for I fear being burnt at the stake. Um, they know that I'm a furry, and I told them to look it up. They, they saw porn, um, pervs, and I told them that I was not that, so they took it fine. And anywho, so my persona is a tuxedo um, finnick fox, and he and I are the same soul, mind, sex, 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 and sex. Oh, plus Rue equal Mel. Um, thank you for rem remembering that. Um, have fun translating the random German bits I snuck in for fuzziness. Funsies. Thank you. Um, best regards to Anne Rugs. P.S. That ends my email in bed with a cock. P.S.S. Read everything here on the show, including the P.S.S. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, oh Dallas. boy! I go to Dallas next year. I'm thinking about it. Have you been to Dallas? I have not. I've been to the Dallas Fort Worth Airport. I'm not quite sure where count. Dallas is. <laughs> is that kind of by Colorado or it's, in, it's by Wisconsin, Texas? Wisconsin, Texas. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I want to go it's there. Super so fucking bad. humid. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. So what's the next email? The next email is from Dusty. He says, Howdy, Ruin Tugs. My name is Dusty. I'm a coyote. I'm new to the fandom, and I've been a furry for two years. I found your podcast and loved it, so since this, the fifth season is here, I decided to email you guys. It's about time. I'm from North Alabama, and there are not many that that many furries here, but I'm convinced my best friend since kindergarten is to be a furry, and now he's a cat, and he's the only furry I've met. But the podcast has helped me learn so much about the fandom. Thank you so, so much for reading, and keep up the cookies. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Signed, Dusty. Well, I'm glad that we have corrupted people. Are we getting closer to our toaster? What what toaster? The toaster for conversion. Uh, I think so. Also, since there was a new furry. Wee the button. <laughs> I put it on the board today. Woo! <laughs> Keep it up. I went. Uh, I've not actually been to Alabama. Have I been to Alabama? I don't think so. I think I touched its tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. No, I went around it. I just saw the tip. I didn't actually go into the tip. You Such a shame. You touched the banjo strings. I did. Wow. You're welcome. So uh, we have Frederick the Fox. He said, Dear Rue and Tugs, I have been listening to your podcast show since season three. It is may it makes me my day every time with every new episode. Recently I finally came up with my persona, Frederick the Fox. My favorite episode is the Fox episode, of course. Anyways, to my question. 
I have, I am 15 and I live in California, about three hours away from BLFC in Reno. And I will be 16 um, about the time it is um, in session next year. And I was wondering if you think I'm a little bit underage to go. My next question. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, ouch. You need to be 21 to go to a, ca- a casino convention. That's just the law. That's is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's not like there's not a law about conventions and casinos, but you should be 21 and you're not going to have a good time. I know it sucks. I remember when I wasn't 21. Uh, it is worth waiting. You won't you won't enjoy yourself. Well, what if he's 18? You have to be 21 to gamble or be on a gambling floor in Nevada. He can still have a fun time and not have to gamble. Mm, but you can't drink either. Yeah, so I'm just saying, Vegas sucks when you're not 21. Reno's Vegas life. Uh, I disagree with you. I think that if you're at least 18, you're going to have a fun time. I don't even know. Do they sell minor badges? No. I don't know if they do. I, I don't think they do. I don't. So know. I I'm, would actually recommend you actually looking that up before go to, going go to, to FC it. instead. Um, but but yeah, they have they have some pretty good conventions out there. If you ever want to check out their anime convention that they have there. Um, it's true. All right. Yeah. Sorry. So um, his second question is, I live in a small mountain town and don't know any other fur- furries in my high school and around town. I was wondering if you had any tips of finding other furries in my town. Sorry for the long email. I enjoy listening to your show. Keep up the good work. Yours truly. True. Ah, truly. Yours truly. Cedric the Fox. You need to be 21 to go to BLFC. Is that what it is? Are you sure? No, I'm just saying it's not practical to go otherwise. But that's not the rules. He Not the rules. Look at you talking yeah, like, but a, it's, like a stick. But it's in there. Come on. Look, I went there one year and you I didn't drink some... anything. Yeah, but that's because you're a prude. How about the other question? Oh, whatever. How about the other question? I'm not a prude. The other question. Mm. How does he meet local furries again? So how you meet local furries is you go and you can look up to see if there's any local um, communities where? that are there. Go where? On the interwebs. Oh. And there are some of these local communities that will allow you to be part of their online presence, but not in the physical presence until you are over 18. Anyways. They don't have policies listed right now. Other than I won't be at BLFC next year. So Why? Because I'm going to be uh, on vacation elsewhere. I oh, already... yeah. You're going to some place that I'm not supposed to say. But it's going to be an amazing place for you. Yep. Sorry. I won't be there. I'm sad, but I won't be there. So I'm going to try and go this year. It's a great con. It's I worth would be it. there if I, I was... Suppo- a... I was supposed to go last year, but the travel plans fell... Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping. All right, we've got like 30 seconds for housekeeping. So, here it goes. Comment on the site if you like this episode. Suddenly, comments aren't happening, and I'm sad about this. Comment on Twitter, Facebook... And also on iTunes. Are we number one yet? Not yet. What the hell? I know. Eventually we'll get there. All right. Come on, audience. You're so good. Don't let us down. Unless you're one of Rue's fans. But if you're a listener, go ahead and leave a comment on (laughs) Well, we only have six listeners and we only have like two fans. You have fans. I have listeners. There's a difference. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. All right. The next episode um, is the Halloween episode. Woo! 
Send your stories. We'll foley them. We'll have live music. And then I will cry as I edit it all and make it sound good. But it will be amazing. <laughs> so you've got you've got just a little bit of time left. So hurry. We've yes. only got a handful. Send it in. Like immediately. Uh, and make them good stories. You know, put some thought behind it. Know that there's going to be sound effects that are going to be added to it. So... You know, think of, it's now October. Think of something scary, something frightening. And unfortunately, because of our time with that particular episode, we won't be reading, more than likely, we probably won't be reading everyone's story. We're probably going to pick a select few. So please make it good so that we can select your story. Yep. Okay. And the last thing we're going to do before we sign off is ask our guest, Dear Julian, how people can give you money for art because you are an artist <laughs> and how they can talk to you. Um, well, I mean, I have a fur affinity count. It's under U L O S one, two, uh, 12. Um, that's basically the handle. If you, if there's anywhere you think you might find me, it's there. That's my handle on Twitter. That's my handle on any of the mirror furry sites like weasel or anything like that. So I'm easy to track down. Um, but so U L O S one, two, and you're open for commission, says right now. I am. Good, good. All right. Money, money, money. And if people want to hit you up in the head with any follow-up, they can do so in the same places. Sure. Cool. Speaking of money, make sure that you join me for my extra live stream coming up. So, yes. Thanks, Tugs. I've... All right. This has been Rue. <laughs> Wait. What? Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was fun. Okay. Now you can do it. Thank you for coming on as well. <laughs> this has been Rue. This is Tugs. Uh, this is Alistair. And, and this, this has been, been For What, what it's, it's Worth. You actually have to. This has been For What It's Worth. Yeah! yeah! <laughs>